What's up and welcome to Rant and Rave Wrestling episode 66. I'm your host, the Double R Superstar, Roy Rowe, and I'm here with the head of the table, Blake Short. I know what's going on here. I see it. You're a little tag team slut. And the unprofessional, Greg Ovison. What's up and hello. Today we discuss romance and Matt Riddle, all leading to our main event. The R&R Battle Royale featuring Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and NXT. But before we talk wrestling, let's talk about our weeks. And I believe Blake was going to get us started with that this week. Yeah, Will, I'm going to start by saying that I'm a little tired today because I decided it would be a good idea to stay up till 3 a.m. playing Crash Bandicoot. I'm still playing. Still, still playing. playing. Crash. Still Which playing. Which one are you on now? Warped. So I'm on the third one. The third one, okay. I beat two. I beat three. I'll have to go back and play one and see if I have enough interest to get through it. But I'm currently 92% through on three. So I've got almost all the gems and all the relics. Are there a lot of collectibles in that? Not a ton. There's there's 20... No, I'm sorry. There's 31 relics, which are the time trials. I never used to do the when I was younger, and I think I missed out because I've been having a ton of fun with those just doing the speed runs. And then there are special gems. They have like five color gems. And then um, I want to say like 30 or 40 of the white gems. So there's there's a decent amount of collectibles in there, but it doesn't really take too long. Um, and it hasn't felt like tedious or anything. I've been having fun with it. So I'm this damn close now. I'm going to try and 100%. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who's getting the platinum relics because they have like sapphire, gold, and platinum. I haven't got one platinum yet, and I feel like I went through really fast on some of these. So I don't know how hard they are or how close I was. I'll have to check my times. I've gotten a lot of gold on the speed trials, but credit to whoever's getting platinum on every one because <laughs> that's, that's tough. Um, I'll see if I can get one at least and, and tell you guys about it. I had an interesting situation earlier in the week. I was doing DoorDash, and I've had some canceled orders in the past, and what's cool about it is if you're doing DoorDash and you have the food and somebody cancels the order, you get to keep it. I mean, it's already in your car. You're not going to be able to take it back to the restaurant. They're not going to take it. I've had this happen a few times. It's very rare. I've done like, I think I'm up to 4,500 deliveries now. And I think I've had it happen like five or six times. Well, the other day. That sounds I, like my shiny rings. Yeah, yeah <laughs> me too, for Brokemon. Well, this was actually a perfect canceled order because it was not only Chick-fil-A, it was $110 of Chick-fil-A. Dinner for the whole family. So it's, it was about 2 o'clock, I did a lunch shift, and I was ending at about 3.30. So I called Holly, I was like, look, I got dinner for tonight, we're good. I had six fries, three mac and cheeses, there were probably 60 nuggets in here, four sandwiches, I had six drinks, this was the confusing part, the drinks. It's not, I don't need six drinks, and I don't want to be driving around with six drinks. So, fortunately, I got another Chick-fil-A order right after that. I called that guy up and was like, hey, man. I told him what happened. I said, do you want four drinks? Because there was two of one to keep for myself. He was like, yeah, I'll take them. So I was able to unload the four drinks without wasting them and keep Beautiful. all the food. Perfect situation. Uh, I got really lucky, and we ate pretty good. The only problem is my diet is not happy about it because I had McDonald's for lunch right before that Chick-fil-A oh, order. And on that day, I had McDonald's and then Chick-fil-A, and I've gained about three pounds in the last two weeks, so I've got some work to do. Probably just that one day. <laughs> yeah, that one day did not help me at all. 
So I got to put some work in this week to make up for that. And the last thing that I have, being a huge football fan, Greg's got his Ravens jersey on. I've got mine on. We beat the Titans last week. That felt good because last year on this podcast, you'll know, I wasn't in the best of mood after we lost to the Titans last year in the playoffs. It was very devastating for me. So to get that revenge felt great. I don't know how tonight's game is going to go against Buffalo. They're a really good team. They finished better than us this season. They went 13-3. and We went 11-5. and But I can honestly say I feel pretty satisfied regardless at this point because I got that we got our monkey off our back with the win earlier this week. And I'm hoping they win tonight. And it would be great. We'd make it to the AFC Championship. So I'm hoping for a good night. And that's all I got. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to catch you guys up on, on a few things from my week. Last week, we talked about, or was it was last week or the week before that, I first brought up Fire Pro Wrestling. I think it was last week. I've had more time with the game now. And it's one that I still have a hard time really recommending to anybody because I do think it's very different from most wrestling games. And I would encourage, encourage anybody to do their, their individual research. Uh, but as a multiplayer game right now, in my unique situation, I have two other roommates right now. We're all in the house right now. I've been having a blast. And I think we've played Fire Pro Wrestling. We've put more hours into it this week than I have a, a game in a while, I believe. Because we'll sit here for three or four hours at a time playing Fire Pro Wrestling, going against... Uh, Kenny Omega and Okada, just anybody that we can, and keep increasing the level. They got different ways to do the tag matches. So with the three-man tag, we can do elimination, we can do regular, we can tag in and out, we can do tornado, we can choose whether there's cut-ins in between the tags and stuff like that. The variety has been enough that it's it's really given us a lot of enjoyment. The next thing I want to talk about, uh, and I'm pretty sure this this was within the last two weeks that we just talked about that, uh, when I first told everybody about the Cat Wrestling Federation, and I'll just give a, a brief recap for anybody that's hearing for the first time this week. The Cat Wrestling Federation is a fun game that happens at my house between me, the cats, and my roommates. Um, it is a legitimate, uh, to-be-respected wrestling organization. It's not, it's not a joke, so don't laugh, Blake. This is legitimate, okay? There's so, and in order to compete in the Cat Wrestling Federation, you must be either intoxicated, on drugs, or a cat. So everybody in this story is one of those three things, and you can use your imagination from there. Uh, I was one of the I was one of the longest reigning Cat Wrestling Federation champions in history. Uh, if you recall, Antonio, the friendly neighborhood ACM, we've had him on the podcast a few times. He he had been attacked and was actually at. He claimed he was out of commission for 16 years after being attacked <laughs> one night. And um, it turns out that was all a ruse. And he, he got one of the cats. Uh, his name is Wesker. He's a Siamese cat, big boy. Um, and he said he had, he had came up with this elaborate plan of pretend that he was injured. Uh, and then he was going to beat up somebody else and convince them to beat me up. And the person that he chose was Wesker the cat. So he picks up Wesker, and he's doing these, like, pretend punches, not coming anywhere near the cat's face. The cat's just looking at him like he's crazy. Um, and then he puts the cat on top of my shoulders, and he starts counting. One, two. Now, I thought it would be hilarious if the person that takes the title from me is Wesker, after Antonio had been trying for some time. And so successfully, three. 
Antonio flips out. He says, oh, my God, Wesker did it. Wesker won the championship. He grabs Wesker, and he tries to he tries to pin the cat. Um, I smack him across the face because <laughs> not, I just lost the title. You're not going to pin the cat right in front of me. Uh, so he sits the cat down, and, and Wesker runs into the other room. At this point, Wingate walks by, and I, and it's, I suggest that he interview Antonio after the humiliating loss that he just suffered. Uh, Wingate is, is petting the cat outside of the room, and all of a sudden you hear one, two, three, and for the first time, Wingate is the cat wrestling federation champion. The new roommate has only been here for a few weeks, and is already participating in the Cat Wrestling Federation. So when you said that Antonio went, oh my god, he did it, his voice popped in my head. He's like, oh my god! Like the whole, like I can't do like the voice, but he gets this like yeah. weird raspy high-pitched voice when something like that happens. He's holding his head like, what the hell's going on? Um, and then the last thing that, I, that I'm going to talk about, I, I had a conversation with my mother the other day. That was really interesting to me. She was telling me about a time where I was younger and I had an opportunity to be in a magazine. Uh, she said that she was approached by the photographer and they asked if they could take a couple pictures of me uh, to put in the magazine. So, okay, in interesting enough. I, I started asking a little more questions and that's where I fucked up. Okay. Because what happened was I, apparently I was riding my bike. A guy came by with a camera and said... <laughs> Uh, can can I photograph your kid for the magazine? And we spent the next couple of minutes of this guy taking pictures of me in the alley, apparently. And my mother says, "I never did. Uh, I never. I've never found out the name of the magazine. I wish I had known the magazine." Now, oh no, I'm not convinced. No, after hearing this story, that there is a magazine. No, and uh, yeah, so that. That was very interesting to hear, and for it to not really even register to her, for it to just be like, oh, I wonder what, what the magazine is. And, and as she's describing it to me, I thought for sure once we got to the part of, like, taking pictures in the alley, she would figure something out that this was a little weird. And she did eventually. She's like, I'm kind of wondering if there was a magazine. And I'm like, no shit, there was clearly no magazine. There are photos so, of young Roy <laughs> on the deep dark web. So, um, growing up, uh, where my parents still live, we had just moved in, and I was, like, meeting friends. We all would play in the back alley, now that you mention it. And across the alley, we were always told to watch out for one house. This house had a big privacy fence. It had, like, this big tree that was overgrown in the backyard, stuff like that. And as kids, we don't know why, but we're told, don't, don't mess with that house. And we're like, okay, whatever. So one day, one of our friends notices that someone has like a legit like camera, like one of the back then, how it had like the long lenses and stuff, taking pictures of us playing in the alley through the window. So he mentioned something to his parents, find out that the guy was a registered offender. Um, he got arrested and everything. Somebody else knew moved into that house. But it just reminded me of, of a similar situation where as kids, we don't know what's going on. We're just like, this guy's taking pictures of us. Someone happens to mention it, and we find out that he's a registered offender and stuff. And apparently, Creepy. sometimes, Creepy. as the adult in charge of the children, you also don't know what the hell is going on. Right. She could have gotten me kidnapped that and, day, And right? the thing is, this is back in the 90s. This, a joke. this is a serious thing. The, the joke is more that your mother just yeah, did not understand, yeah. even as you discuss it with her. But that's a very serious thing. Dude, that's kind of scary. But on top, it, it's the 90s. So, like, you hear things from back then that yeah. this isn't too far-fetched. There possibly was a magazine. But 
given the story, yeah. it definitely yeah. wasn't a magazine yeah. here. In the alley. Yeah, the yeah. alley, yeah. I, I'm not so convinced. I don't know. All right. <laughs> she, and then at one point, she says, um, you know, as, as the story starts to progress and I start sharing some of my concerns, she says, well, he did ask if he could take pictures alone for 20 minutes. And she did admit that that was a joke. I think by then she finally started to realize. Well, I was like, what? I was like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, no, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Jeez. All right. So uh, my week, as I mentioned last week, uh, Harper turned one on Sunday. Uh, big milestone. Oh, well, let's just get this out of the way. What's her name? Harper. Rowan. Rowan. Bludgeon Babies. Thank you. All right. So um, she turned one. Uh, Blake had mentioned, you know, that the Ravens beat the Titans. That happened to be on Sunday as well. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because that time last year, I was sitting in the hospital watching the game while holding her. She had just been born. It was the day after she was born. And like Blake said, it was a devastating loss. Last year was one of those, this was supposed to be our year. There's, there's no team that can stop us. Those who watch football know what the Ravens did last year. There's no doubting what happened. Um, so to see, it was one of those moments where it was like, okay, she just turned one, and then we beat the Titans. Like That was just kind of a cool moment in that day. Um, so obviously I'm excited today for the Bills. Actually a little more worried than I was last week for this game, but I think that that just happens as you progress further into the playoffs. Um, I'm going to say this right now. If Kareem Hunt runs like he did last week, the Chiefs got a handful tomorrow. Um, but to to other things, um, this this week I had gotten my PlayStation Five. Um, it was supposed to, you know, I was supposed to pick it up on Thursday. Uh, got a message on Wednesday saying it's ready. Went took took a half an hour from work. Went and picked it up. Came home. Um, set it up and everything. Uh, the unprofessional. You're right. Greg Oveson. Um, He's I, getting a phone call. <laughs> you, you're right. I already platinumed uh, Astro's Playroom. That's both the uh, add-on trophies and the regular trophies. That was pretty fun. Um, that, that Honestly, dude, the game has replayability. Like Even if you just do speed runs. Uh, so that's a pretty cool free game that I came with. Um, I had Spider-Man already. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only problem with Spider-Man is, is the, the open world to it is just... I, I find myself just swinging and just just doing some random stuff and, and getting away from the story. So it takes me a minute to get back into it. Uh, but what I did want to say is I also got Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now, this is also another... You're familiar with Assassin's Creed. It's another semi-open world once you unlock things. Well, you get to this one point where you're basically in a, in a town where you can play different games. There's one thing that you can do where you got to out-drink this chick... And then, like halfway through, you're you're stumbling and you're still trying to chug, and it's it's just a, a fun little thing. Well, this is where I get into it. Okay, I want you guys to know that this is the use that my five hundred dollar PS five came into last night. There is a game, a mini game inside of the game, where it's a dice game, and it, the best way to describe this is it's essentially like Pokemon where you have to roll and try to get attacks and stuff and take away their hit points. But then at the same time it's it's like a almost like a Yahtzee where you select which dice you use. So you roll it, you can have uh shields for for uh melee attacks, shields for archery attacks, 
Um, you can steal these coins to have to what they call summons the gods to do attacks for you. Um, I played this for a good two hours last night. So my $500 PlayStation and the $40 game was me playing dice because this game was so addicting and so much fun because there's, you'd think, oh, what kind of strategies and something like that when you've got this, you know, it's the chance of the roll type of thing for these, these dice. But it's so much fun, like, putting the strategy together, trying to collect certain things so you can just knock out this. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so between out drinking this person and playing this dice game, I wasted about two, two and a half hours just on that last night. I have to admit, you both have a PS5, and you have not given me any incentive to go out and really rush to get a PS5, even with some of the... You haven't said anything <laughs> negative, but it's just it's funny because it seems like even with you guys having the new system, everyone's playing older games right now, or games that you wouldn't expect well, out of a new and, system. And that's, outside and, of Spider-Man. And that's basically a lot that uh, that comes with the new gen systems is your day one titles tend to be very limited. Um, now I'm, I'm not so much in, into indie games. Like there are a few that'll grab my attention, but there's, there's a few indie games out for it right now. Uh, but I'm more so I'm, I'm right now waiting for stuff like Hitman, like the, that, that the ratchet and clank, like all that, um, for right now. Um, but I mean, honestly, even, like playing other games on it is actually really cool because you can go into these other games and if you like there's 3d audio in it and it's it sounds insane like it's it sounds so good um and it's just things you didn't hear originally in these games just the way the system outputs the audio now and a lot of games they updated to use that audio so um I've had a lot of fun with my PlayStation this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a ton of perks to it. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I feel like I'm in a nice little spot right now where I don't have to have one, yet I want, you one, want one, and I have time to wait. Now, like I said, if they if they would have came out launch and been like, yeah, GTA 6, man, I'd have been fighting somebody for a PS5 <laughs> at this point. But right now, I'm content. I'm happy to hear about you guys and what you're enjoying with it so far, and hopefully I'll get one soon. I think my only downfall with it right now is I hate the fact that you can't, that they don't have themes. That's the biggest thing. Like, I loved putting themes on my PS4, stuff like that. The fact that I can't do that right now, and the only real thing is kind of the backgrounds of whatever game or app or whatever you're trying to play. But that doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, probably fix I that think eventually. I. It's so far it's met the expectations I had for it. Um, I didn't overhype it for myself, and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. All right, guys, let's get us moving along and start talking about some of the news that was circulating this week. Starting with the fact that on a recent episode of his podcast, Jim Ross mentioned he'd heard WWE is looking to do more romance angles. Now, romance, for better or worse, has certainly had its place in the history of wrestling. My personal favorite wrestler, Triple H, being involved in not one, but two of the most, let's say, memorable moments. Talk to me about some of the ones that stick out in your mind, Blake. Triple H is top of the mind for me in his romantic angles because one of my first exposures to, I guess I want to say Triple H more so outside of DX and, and Triple H solo was the Tess and Stephanie angle. And it was not good exposure to Triple H. We did not start off on the right foot because I was a huge Test fan. I loved Test. And 
I really enjoyed the relationship angle between Stephanie and Test. And here comes Triple H to ruin it all by pretty much marrying Stephanie, taking her as, as she, well, the, the plot at the time was that she was drunk and, and they went through Vegas and got married. I was so disappointed in this. I was so upset. But looking back at it now, it was a fantastic angle. It was so much fun. I love that they had the wedding set up for Tess and they showed everything on the Titantron. Um, Triple H also provided more moments with Stephanie down the road. I, I think that moment is so cool because they're actually married now too. Like looking back at that, that was all before the real life Triple H and Stephanie stuff. It's so funny how everything came together and Triple H and Stephanie became a couple. Now they actually are married. But another part of Triple H and Stephanie that I loved was the Trish Stratus angle with Triple H. And one of the more memorable moments for me was Triple H trying to show Trish a couple of moves. He gets behind her. He's got the arms locked up and she bends over forwards and, and Stephanie opens the door right at that moment. And poor Triple H in his face at that moment. Uh, that's a memorable for memorable one for me. A lot of fun. And really, I just... Honestly, I, I feel the way, same way as Roy now. I really enjoy seeing Trish and Stephanie together. Or Trish and Stephanie. Triple H and Stephanie together. So anything with Triple H and Stephanie seems to work for me. The other angle that I wanted to mention was Kane and Lita. Because okay. Kane is someone... in. In my days of watching the Attitude Era when I first started, it was Mass Kane. He didn't really speak, and we slowly transformed that with X-Pac starting to get him to speak a little bit more. We went through that stuff. And to see Kane go from that to no mask in the relationship with Lita was very interesting to me, to say the least. I wasn't expecting to ever see that out of Kane, given that I always saw the big red monster Kane in the beginning and the Kane who didn't speak. And the evolution of that as well, where it ends up turning out to be Lita and Edge. And we all know a lot of the story with Lita and Edge. And then turns into the whole story with Edge and Matt Hardy. Um, a lot of good stuff there. I think when you combine real life into some of these relationship angles, that's when I have the most fun. So this actually, I think we're going to have to do uh, an open discussion on wrestling weddings at some point. I think as we get closer to the uh, Kip Sabian wedding, we might do that because you you describing some of that reminded me of a few good wedding moments that I, that I wanted to talk about, but I'll save it. Uh, let's get over to you, Greg. Brian Alvarez mentioned that he doesn't think Matt Riddle has signed a new contract with WWE just yet. Inevitably, this sort of rumor will, more often than not, lead to the same question. Would this wrestler be a good fit for AEW? In this situation, I don't think so. Um, I, the, and, and it could just be what WWE has, has done with him that doesn't make me see, you know, because there are a few guys that went to AEW that I was well, let pretty... let me ask you, how, were you a fan of Matt in NXT? I was. Okay. I was. Um, and then... And then now the it's getting, it's getting pretty annoying. I'll touch on that later. Um, okay. but it, he's just, his style and everything... I don't feel mixes in with AEW at the moment. It doesn't seem like it fits their mold right now. Um, and I don't want to say, like, don't bring him in because we've, we've seen it and we've been like, okay, this I'm glad they did this in the yeah. long run. Um, but right now, I, I, I don't want to say I don't want to see him over there. I just I can't vision him being there at the moment. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, just out of curiosity, Blake, what do you think about that? 
I disagree. I do think Riddle would be a good fit. I think his wrestling style, the fast pace, a lot of the quick strikes does fit with AEW. But I wouldn't want to see it personally because I think AEW is in a position where they just have more talent than they need. It, It feels a lot like WWE where there's a lot of talent that I'd like to see in AEW, and they just don't have enough time for them. And I think Riddle would be stuck in that spot as and, well. And it's unfortunate because I think I think a lot of it has to do with the way that AEW came in and both companies sort of hoarding what they could grab onto, and now they're kind of in a position where we we see the same superstars every week, but we could be seeing others in different roles and stuff like that, other than just being ringside. And you got to remember, AEW only has one weekly show that, that yeah, we watch, yeah, the three yeah. of us. Now, they do have Dark, but the three of us don't pay attention to Dark. So they have one weekly show. They have two hours to feature all this talent. And that's just not enough time for the amount of talent they have right now, which is why they're looking to add the second show. And we'll see how they do when that happens. All right, guys, that's going to take us into our open mic topic of the week. Let's get ready to rumble. Of course, it is Royal Rumble season, the kickoff to the road to WrestleMania. Uh, I think definitely one of our top pay-per-views of the year, all three of us, if not our top. And we've talked in the past, as Greg drops his phone on the floor, the unprofessional, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We've talked in the past about some of the roots that the Royal Rumble has, just in our personal lives and our friendships and our group of friends. And how, uh, historically, it's something that's brought us together every year. We have a lot of fun with it. Uh, so I, I love every year around this time. And I love discussing it. And I love that we're going to get to do that on our own podcast uh, this year. Going into the Rumble, uh, to me, there's not, a, there's not a lot of really clear winners, which I love. And I hope that it stays that way for the next week or two. Sometimes as you get closer Two or three names will kind of pull ahead as obvious choices for the Rumble. Um, Today, let's discuss both the women and the men's Rumble. Uh, And I think we'll get started with the men's. Something I want to talk to you guys about is, did we, without talking about what happened Friday too much, because we'll get to that later, uh, a, a path started to look a little clear for Big E to maybe win the Rumble this year. Did you guys did you guys see that at all? Um, I saw, and then this just could be me overthinking it, but I saw a path for someone else a little differently, uh, even though they took a loss this week. So who are you? Uh, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. Um, and I think a big part of it had to do with commentary planting the seed that he's never won it. We never know we right. know one of the biggest things that he wants to accomplish before he goes to the part time and everything is a, a rumble win. And it's not far-fetched to believe that he can win it. Um, We've seen him go on a roll with certain things, and I feel like a loss to Cesaro is just one of those things that Daniel Bryan uses as fuel to go further. And I I feel like it's typical WWE fashion to, to do something like this, that if they're not building the star to win it, they're, they're hiding it in a sense by letting them lose building up to it type of thing. Um, so that's kind of where my my thought process is right now, at least from SmackDown, like who I think from SmackDown. I don't I don't see Daniel Bryan winning it. I see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I just when I try and put it all together, I I just don't I don't I don't get that vibe that Daniel Bryan's going to be able to get it done. I don't get the vibe that Daniel Bryan will be at Mania or Roman Reigns. It just doesn't seem like what mm-hmm. I think will happen. 
I, I think he's going to be, I think the story there is he's going to be one of the final couple there. He'll probably be in the final four, maybe even the final two. Mm-hmm. It just, he'll come up a little short. That's that's my thought behind it. I love, and I don't want to touch too much on SmackDown, but I love what they're doing with Daniel Bryan right now. Big E, maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't trust them with Big E. I just don't. I don't either. But it does feel like I'm starting to see a little bit of a character change in Big E. Not heel, but more he's of a guy who's kind of in between. You know, he he's still he's still got he's got still got the jokes. He's a little too relaxed right now. He is, and I I, I think Apollo's gonna beat him I for that too. title. I think he's I like what and without talking talking. too much about SmackDown, I like what they're doing there. It, it's starting to feel like they're they gave Big E a quick title. They're gonna pull it from him, and then we're gonna get into Rumble. And usually that's a good sign. Uh, as ironic as that sounds, they get a title pulled from you and then go yeah. into a major pay-per-view. Maybe. I, I'm not convinced with Big E either yet, but I'm starting to see the signs of that. Um, do you want to talk about some of the Raw superstars as well? Should we, should we touch on that? Yeah, yeah, kind of just free-form discussion. Tell me any anything that you guys maybe want to see, winners you're hoping for, winners that you, you feel confident could be taking it away. Uh, something I want to bring up real quick. A week or two ago, I believe it was Adam Pierce. He did clarify. He said Raw and SmackDown. And my initial reaction to that was, what an awful decision to not involve NXT. But the more I thought about it, actually, I think I would prefer it this way every year if uh, that means that we get the NXT, some NXT guys in there as surprise entrants. So I think it creates a lot more excitement if it's not guaranteed that the NXT roster is in there, because then you know most of the big names and a few of the medium names are definitely going to pop up. Didn't someone from NXT say they were going to be in the Rumble? I don't recall. I thought someone last week said that they were announcing themselves for the Rumble. Maybe I maybe the tournament is what you're thinking. Uh, it might be. It might be. Um, if we're going to talk about Raw, um, well, we weren't. We were. I was. I was, uh, in, the, I was in the middle of a question. Oh my so. bad. My bad. So how do you guys feel about uh, NXT not being a? involved properly uh for me like i said as long as we we still nxt has to be there they can't they can't just be raw and smackdown but i would love to have remember adam cole uh coming out for the rumble that's like one of my favorite rumble moments ever and if we expect the nxt roster to be there you maybe don't get that same excitement um and it's going to make it even bigger you know when one of the nxt guys eventually win it but I've talked long enough about that. How do you guys feel about NXT not being a set part of the Rumble this year? So, to kind of touch on it the way you did, I'm okay with it as long as they're surprise entrants. But I don't want it to just be a surprise entrant and then they kind of go back into the background of like an NXT or something. I would like it if they use them as the call-up. So, don't give me like four or five random NXT superstars. Give me like one or two. And then that's that's who is now on a SmackDown or a Raw. We don't necessarily know which show yet, but we know that they're coming. Like that's their coming up type of thing. Um, I feel like because the way they use NXT superstars in it prior, I feel like they're just a number. Um, other than Keith Lee, like last year, um, Keith Lee actually felt like he not not that he was going to win it. But he, he was probably the closest from an NXT call-up that felt like they could do something in the Rumble. Um, so give me something like that. That way I can feel a little bit more towards that person. I, I follow a close sentiment uh, to Greg in the fact that I like to see call-ups. But I do 
I do feel like I'm okay with having like one or two sprinkled in that aren't moving up to right. the main roster. Uh, I like the idea of call ups being and that that being like you know you, you see them right. at the rumble they're moving up, um, but this this is a good path I think it, this is different from Survivor Series where NXT was eliminated from Survivor Series right. for COVID and all that. If, if they have some surprise entrance, that's good. I, I don't I don't want it to be an expectation that NXT's in there every year. This should feel special when you have someone from NXT in a Royal Rumble, and I want to keep it that way. And so, how do we feel if we get to the Rumble and no NXT members make an appearance whatsoever? A little disappointed. A little disappointed. Understanding, because there are only 30 entrants, and you're probably going to have a couple legends in there, and you've got Raw superstars in SmackDown. But, yeah, there'd be some disappointment there. Yeah, it, I, I feel the same. Um, I'd want at least, like, two. And then you wanted to say something about the Raw men's side? The the you Raw, I think the Raw men's side is kind of like, they don't necessarily, they're, they're not giving us anything right now or nothing that feels like it. But if I'd have to go with anybody, it's it's got to be Keith Lee at the moment. Um, that's really the only one on Raw that I could even see pulling it off. I don't think anyone from Raw wins it, to be honest with you. I think it goes to SmackDown this year. But if it does go to Raw, I would think that it's Keith Lee. Keith Lee's actually my pick to win the Rumble. Really? I don't yeah. see it. At, I don't think I see it at all for Keith. Here's, here's what I'm what I'm seeing, and, and we're going to talk about some of the Keith Lee stuff on Raw, so I don't want to get into too much detail. But what I see right now, I see a heel turn for Keith Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that could be the path. I think, I think a heel turn is coming for Keith Lee, and he wins the Rumble. And, th- and that's the big part of it, because lately there, there's been a change in the booking of Keith Lee, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had been asking for it, we weren't getting it, and I'm starting to see it. And I'm, I'm thinking of the different competitors for Royal Rumble, and for me right now, Keith Lee sticks out in my mind as, as the guy who's going to win it. Nah, Goldberg's winning. Could, it could be. It could be. And that's I'd be his very way of going at Roman Reigns. Look, I'd be extremely disappointed, but it wouldn't be the first time I'd be been the disappointed. worst rumble ever. Let's open up the conversation by bringing in the women's rumble, and and from there we'll just blend in and out. But something I want to bring up is we have not seen Lana for a little while. Is there a chance of no. Lana winning no. the twenty twenty one Royal Rumble? <laughs> no, no chance. Not a chance. Not a single chance. Not nope. a chance. Okay. I'm gonna Not go ahead chance. and say she'll be. I think she'll be in it. And that, you know what? It'll actually be a fun moment. I'm gonna admit it. I think it'll be a fun moment. They've done pretty well with Lana, but no, she's not winning. I'm gonna go out on a whim here. We all probably know it's gonna be like Shayna or Nia, but I'm gonna go out on a whim. I'm gonna say it's Natalia. The boat. The boat. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, something that I started to see a little bit of. So you're WWE. You're booking a future star. You're booking a future top star. Uh, historically, what's the best way that WWE likes to build up a Rumble winner? We have them lose. Uh, that has led me to Rhea Ripley. There is not much left for Rhea okay. on NXT. <laughs> um, she has either beaten most of them in, in, a, in a big match or lost to them in a big match. And recently, she's had more losses than wins. And that's really made me kind of keep thinking, what is even next for Rhea, she really needs she needs something, and though I don't know that I would personally use a Rumble win on Rhea, it does make a lot of sense. And the 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 WrestleMania stuff last year has, is what has spiraled her entire 2020. 
uh, she was on top of the world until she ran into Charlotte Flair. And I think that she may be due for some redemption. Okay. I do I do think Rhea Ripley is one of the call-ups. That's an expectation of mine. I don't think she wins. Bianca Belair is Bianca. my pick. Because okay. they're they're setting up segments with Bianca. She's being paired with Bailey, who dominated the past year. Bianca's gonna wipe the floor with her next week in that competition. Wipe the floor? She is gonna wipe the floor with Bailey in that competition. Bianca also eliminated how many competitors last year in the Rumble? They made her look strong in last year's Rumble. I think I think they're going forward with Bianca, and Bianca's going to win. Okay, I can see it. But Natalia, that would be pretty cool. That would, I, I I love a good swerve, and Natalia feels like a good swerve, even mm. though she's the boat. We should not be swerved by the so, best of all time winning a Royal Rumble. So you would, uh, let's assume that champion, this, this feels unclear sometimes, but let's assume champion can choose either belt. You do Bianca and Asuka or Bianca and Sasha? That's a that's a tough call. I'd say because Bianca I think, and Oscar. I see. I think, I think Sasha SmackDown, needs it more. I think Sasha um, needs that match more. I think Sasha and Bianca Belair could be a really great WrestleMania match. I feel like I I feel like Oscar and Bianca would be great too. But if I had my choice, I slightly will go with Sasha and SmackDown. And I can see that. I I personally say Oscar just because I feel like other than. Right now, other than really Charlotte and Asuka, SmackDown needs women. I feel, or, or Raw needs women. I think SmackDown's pretty okay on the women they have. I th- we know the whole relationship thing WWE does with husband and wives and stuff like that, keeping them on the same shows. But right now, with it being based at the same place for the foreseeable future, I don't see why they couldn't move Bianca to Raw. Um, and I think that that would benefit Raw itself. My my thoughts being, I think Rhea would go to Raw. Well, yeah, yeah, and fill and fill a gap there, and you keep Bianca on SmackDown because I SmackDown does have women, but top tier like WWE always has this challenge where they only have a couple women in the top tier, and then the rest just are never on that level. And I think I'm finally starting to see a path where more women can get to the top tier. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And at the same time, which is weird, because usually it's hard to find one. I feel like they've got a couple now that could get to that next year at the same time, and I don't want that all to be on one brand. So I, I'd prefer her to do SmackDown with Sasha. Okay. That's now, if Sasha's even the champion. That's true. You never know. Now let's talk uh, dream scenarios. The question I'm going to ask you guys is to give me your dream picks for winning the Rumble, and I'll start so you have some time to think here. I'll start with the Women's Rumble. I've said it before, my dream scenario is uh, Shayna Baszler. I, I love Shayna Baszler. I, I enjoy Shayna quite a bit. I, I was not, I've not been a fan of Nia Jax for a very long time. So when they started to pair the two, I was against it in the beginning. They won me over to the point that when they lost the tag titles, I wasn't even ready for that to be the case. Even with Rumble season around the corner and me wanting Shayna to win the Rumble, I would have been okay if they said, no, Roy, but we're going to keep doing this tag ring. Uh, the two of them working together has been great. I I do want to see more of a singles push from Shayna, and I want to see a little bit more of what we've seen from her in NXT in her historic Women's Championship reign, which brings me to who her challenger would be, or who her opponent would be, rather, and that's Asuka. Shayna versus Asuka at WrestleMania two of the best NXT women's champions of all time, in my opinion, and I believe there's plenty of facts to help me argue that. 
that would be a WrestleMania caliber match. I believe they've they've crossed paths on Raw once or twice already. But obviously with WrestleMania, you know to expect a different caliber. You know that you're going to, in most cases, you're going to get the top tier out of the two people. So it's a completely different environment. And I would love to see what these two would come up with in a match for the championship. What about you, Greg? Dream case scenario, the Women's Royal Rumble. Who would you book to win it? And why is it Lana? <laughs> it's not Lana. Um, I don't. I don't have a dream scenario for the women. The women's rumble Ooh. this year. I I just don't. Um, I'm I'm not a huge fan fan of Shayna. Um, I I feel like she's just fallen off over the last couple months to me at least. Um, it, I I don't I don't have. Who are some of your favorites in the women's division? You don't have any favorites right now. Not. Not really, not right now. Um, no one, no one at the moment has really just stuck out more than the other. I feel like the Carmella Sasha stuff isn't really grabbing on for me. Um, Bailey, since losing the title, I don't feel like she's been as good as she was with the title. So there's not really much. Um, so I would say if I had to pick like a dream scenario. It would be someone who doesn't have a huge name right now, or or someone who maybe not not given like the in ring spotlight or anything. So I would say like Billy Kay, like I feel like that okay. would come. I would feel I mean, like I'll take that. I would feel like that would come out of nowhere. It gives someone who's in a sense not necessarily getting an opportunity right now more of an opportunity. Um, I feel like and. And I'm hoping at least it's somewhere, but she's feeling like the typical WWE laughing stock right now. We're gonna use her for laughs. She's the female version of of our truth right now, and it's it's kind of getting annoying to be honest. And, so I want something more out of it. And who would you prefer to murder her? Is it gonna be <laughs> Sasha or Asuka? Because she's not walking out of there without a, at uh, least a limp. This one would be a Sasha. Okay, a Sasha. Yeah. All right, Blake. Dream scenario. Yeah, well, I apologize to the listeners for Debbie Donner Greg over here who hates women's wrestling. <laughs> I don't hate women's wrestling. It just, it, I'm just, it's mutual right now. It's neither for me. Neutral. For me, my neutral, dream scenario, it. my dream scenario, scenario is the pick that I have. It's Bianca Belair. I've been a Bianca fan since NXT. I watched her come up short so many times. She had multiple chances to NXT Championship and never won it. And I think pairing Bianca Belair, someone who is extremely talented, but you just haven't given that final push to, is a great participant for a WrestleMania match against someone like Sasha, who, if she if Sasha has that belt, this is a reign that we've never seen out of Sasha. So it's two women who are in unfamiliar territory. Sasha Banks having a championship reign that lasts more than three weeks, and Bianca Belair finally overcoming a championship match and winning the belt. I think that's a great scenario for me, and I'd love to see it. All right, and last but not least, the dream scenario for the men's Royal Rumble. Greg, do you hate the men's division? Too? I do. I can't okay. stand wrestling at all. Um, no, it, and I'm going to go with, like Blake did with the women's, I'm going to go with who I said I could see winning it, and it's going to be Daniel Bryan. Um, I mean, it's no you know, surprise to anybody here that Daniel Bryan is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, honestly, uh, if I'm going from the last couple years, he's probably – at the top he has been you guys know that between him and seth they've been like my two favorites back and forth um i want this for him that's why it's my dream scenario i feel like 
what he did at the at the WrestleMania with winning those titles, that's obviously a dream scenario for him. That's awesome. Let's give him one more thing to add to it. Knowing what he's going into, let's let's give him this. Um, I, I want Daniel Bryan to be the one to win it. And once again, my dream scenario is the exact scenario I think is going to happen, but <laughs> I'm going to add a little bit to it. I, I'm a huge Keith Lee fan. I, I want... I want him to push Keith Lee before it's too late. I've seen this happen with so many guys that I enjoy where you see the opportunities right there in front of them. They don't pull the trigger, and then they either never pull the trigger on that wrestler or when they do, it's just way too late. But here's what I would like to see. First off, I need to heal Keith Lee. I want Keith Lee in her business. I think that would be a great pairing for him, especially a heel Keith Lee. We're going to have Keith Lee in the Hurt Business, but I'm actually I'm going to do Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee again because there's so much story involved in this, and that's that's basically how he's going to turn heel is the story with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. But I'm adding Brock Lesnar to the WrestleMania match because why the hell not? Okay. You had the history last year, and I want to see Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, and a heel Hurt Business Keith Lee in the main event Can we just not have Brock Lesnar for one fucking year, Blake? We, one well, year? We already got Goldberg coming back. Can we just? You wouldn't do? want to see Keith Lee and Brock Lesnar in the same ring for the first time ever. Not right. Not in a triple threat. Why not? Because I want it to be them one on one. If I'm watching it, I I think that would be amazing. You put those. Why three you're gonna in have you're gonna have like three spots and that's it? No, you like, can do. That's, match, how, you, that's how you do a longer match. You're not gonna get a long match with Brock Lesnar these days. I understand that, but you're giving me that more one on one situation with spots than you would like. To see Brock Lesnar suplex Keith Lee multiple times around the ring would uh, that okay? Uh, I don't want to see that two times and then Drew McIntyre Claymore's freaking Brock Lesnar. No, over. We, we, I mean we're being creative here. We want a longer yeah, match. Him, he's, he, yeah, it's we a can put. Scenario. Yeah. We can put on a I get match. that. He just said to me, I wouldn't want to see that, and I'm saying no. Well, nobody told you the fantasy book of shit <laughs> match. It's all in your head. Yeah, you're 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 not giving them enough credit. Me. I'm seeing a Spanish fly, Brock Lesnar. You remember Seth, you're giving on, too much credit. Seth, Seth, Cena, Rome, and Brock. Okay. That was One fantastic. One of the best of all time. Seth, Roman, and Brock. WrestleMania when Seth cashed in. That didn't, that wasn't a quick cash in. You got about five minutes of Seth in there. I I'm I'm seeing a Spanish fly, Brock Lesnar, who. One of the most memorable moments of WrestleMania was Brock doing something he should have never done. Can you imagine a Spanish fly, Keith Lee, and Brock Lesnar? Oh my God! No, tear the I don't see down. Brock Lesnar. He wouldn't do signing it. Up but for this that. is yeah. my dream. No, it's this not allowed to be dream, a dream, Greg. You're ruining your dream. The dream. Sucks. No, it doesn't. Well, that would be fantastic. I think, Brock, I think Brock would do that. You don't think Brock would do that? No. These days, no. But but that would be amazing if he signed up for that. Okay, time. I'm not gonna lie. Yes, that would be amazing. We're not gonna see it. That's dream scenario, Greg. Well, quit dreaming. All right, guys, let's let's head over to the Rant and Rave Battle Royale, where we compare all four shows. We're doing things a little bit different this week. Normally, we do, uh, I believe, six rounds total. We start with rants, then we go to raves. This week, we're going to do five rounds total. We're going to keep the same rotation. We're going to go one at a time. Uh, but this week, you, we're going to choose whether we're going to rant or rave. This is inspired by, uh, honestly, this last week of wrestling was just fantastic, in my opinion. I had very little to complain about, and because so much of wrestling was so good, I almost feel petty for complaining about some of the things that I did have to complain about, because uh, it felt like a little bit of a stretch. Uh, so this week, five rounds will go one at a time, and everybody's going to choose whether they're going to rant or rave about whatever show they're going to rant and rave about. 
Uh, we'll add up all the scores. We'll we'll subtract the rants from the raves. We'll do the scoring. Don't worry about it. All you guys got to do is sit back and relax. Uh, this week's rotation is Erbiga. That means Roy, Blake, Greg. So round one, I'm up first. Uh, my, my top of the week is actually going to be a rave. And it's going to go to Orton and Triple H over on Monday Night Raw. Now, this is this is a very personal pick. Uh, Triple H, I, I talked about earlier, is my favorite wrestler of all time. Triple H and Orton in the ring together, again, on the mic, felt so good. I'm positive that we have had this exact promo with these exact two with the same testicles. He that, did. He did use that line. This, That's the that, same this, exact line. Yeah, okay, we yes. did this exact thing before. I'm, I'm, I, I, I was almost pretty positive about that. Uh, despite that, you know, I'm the jackass that had the time of his life watching it a second time. Um, Triple H and, and Orton. Orton's been on fire lately. It's great to see Triple H again. They're going back and forth. I knew he was going to talk about Triple H's ball sack. They always do these days. <laughs> he brings up Stephanie. And I just, I love it. The whole time I'm, I'm chanting along with Triple H, like, no, don't give him what he wants. He, tri- Randy Orton is an asshole. He instigates everybody into these matches, and then he does some shady stuff. He kicks them in the head, and I don't see him for a few weeks. Triple H was smart enough not to fall for that, but to a certain extent, as a man, as a competitor, uh, you got to stand up for yourself at a certain point, right? Uh, Orton comes for, for Triple H's testicles, as they have in the past. Now, this is where it got really great. Triple H... He hunches his shoulders down a little bit. We've seen that body language from him before. We know what's coming. He turns around. He goes to open his mouth. Pop. Drops him. Drops him. When I tell you I clapped the loudest I had in a long time, emphatically, I was clapping my hands as hard as I could because I was just ecstatic over that moment. It was such a feel-good thing for me. The only thing that would have made this better, and I kept waiting for it, was for Triple H to get on the mic and say, You got it. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't use that verbiage this time. He wanted to switch it up, I guess. Um, and then, of course, Orton, very clever. He knows exactly what he's doing. He gets to the ramp and he says, I'll take that as a yes. Completely backing Triple H into a corner. Because now the last words have been said. What's what's going to be next? Triple H getting interviewed saying, nah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's not going to look very good on Triple H. So at that point, uh, you know, Orton, Orton forced his hands. And we ended up getting the match. Yeah, this was a lot of fun for me. I, although Triple H ruined so much childhood by stealing te- Tess Girl, I am a huge Triple H fan as well. It was great to see him in this role again. I know they kind of forced their hands. This probably wasn't the original plan, but it worked out great for me. One comment that I did want to make, though, that made me laugh was Triple H was talking about Randy Orton and what he's done in the past few months. And I find it a little funny that Triple H is okay with murder. But not okay with disrespecting legends. And I, I think his priorities are a little messed up. Well, no, they're not messed up because it makes perfect but, sense. No, no. He, Greg, I get what you're about to say. He is okay with murder. He said, yeah, I would have murdered him too. But yeah, the one thing you're not going to no, do I'm gonna justify is disrespect Ric Flair. You cannot justify he, this. He it's said, one brand for Triple H. <laughs> yes, that doesn't make it. it right. It doesn't make it right, Greg. It, I, 
It benefits Orton to do that, <laughs> but it doesn't benefit him to destroy these legends. So it basically what you're saying sense. is, it be- if it benefits you to murder someone, I'm down with that. With Go murder. ahead. But do not disrespect Ric Flair. Don't, don't come at me like I'm the one saying I would murder someone to get something. Don't put me in that position because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that in a kayfabe lifestyle, it makes perfect sense that you'd light someone on fire to get what you want. But destroying a legend who has nothing going for them in the WWE, they're not going to get a title shot anytime soon. It makes no sense. Okay. (laughs) My my top pick for this week is also going to be a rave because I agree with Roy. I was really enjoying wrestling. I have for the past few weeks, but I think this week was a great week. My top rave might get challenged, so we'll see. It's going to AEW, and it's going to be Brian Cage and Darby Allin. Nothing? He pauses to see if anybody's going to challenge. Well, it wasn't match. Greg. It was you. Let's be honest. All right. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you talk about it. But what I will tell you, what I will tell you is this is one of my top raves of the week. Okay. All right. Great. So I pause because we know that the hatred for not only Team Taz but Darby Allen has been there for Roy. If you listen to our top rants and raves of 2020, you'll know that those were two of Roy's rants for the year were Darby Allen and Team Taz. You've heard the expression "so bad that it's good." And I never understood that until this feud, where I was really trying to think, why am I not bothered by this? Because it's just come around full circle. I I hated it. I My capacity of hatred had been reached, and I just came back around. This match was a lot of fun, and it was not something I was expecting. I definitely didn't expect it to be my top read. The moment where Brian Cage tossed Darby Allen, it had to have been 15 feet. Over the ropes and through the table was an insane spot for me. Darby Allen, I, I hope he's growing on Roy and on Wingate because he does have a place in wrestling. Some of the shit that he agrees to is insane, and I know Wingate would not sign up for that. The, the spot with the table was crazy. You had the coffin drop on the steel steps. Wasn't as impactful as I thought it would be. Uh, I think something happened that, like, I don't know, like something was a little off on it, but just the... Just doing that. I think it's more. I think it's because the steps don't. I don't have know if it was an angle. Yeah, I don't like know if don't... it was an angle, but there was something that didn't make it look as impactful as it should. But that's an impactful move. Like I'm not doing that. Um, I just had so much fun with this match. The the, the matchup of Brian Cage and Darby Allen really worked for me. Seeing this big guy, he's just tossing Darby around because that's what Darby does. He's the stunt man. He goes through all these. He's spots. the Dolph Ziggler of AEW. He is, but he's winning, yeah. and that's the difference. True. Well, and, so is Dolph. So a, anyway, well, go on. A small detail that I did not catch, but someone pointed out on Twitter that I think is amazing, and I would have never caught it without it, is that this whole this whole thing came full circle because Darby Allen and Taz, Taz was trying to help Darby Allen. He was trying to mentor him, and that's what started this feud. And if you recall, he wanted to mentor him after the loss to Cody Rhodes. And the move that he used was the same exact move that finished the match with Brian Cage, but instead of him getting the win... He was rolled over by Cody Rhodes. And Taz said, I can help you with that. And he said, no, I know what I did wrong. And he beat Brian Cage with the same oh, exact move. Yeah, I didn't catch that. So I did not catch it. Credit to the person who did on Twitter. That's amazing. That added to this being my top rave. The storytelling involved for them to even think of that. If they did, it's incredible. And the match was great. So let me tell you why I'm a Darby Allen fan now. <laughs> yes. Uh, hold on. Yes. Yeah. So... so Team Taz made it easy for me uh, because my hatred for them, you know, you combine the Darby Allen and the Team Taz stuff, and it, it became hard to ever hate Darby 
when I was spending so much time hating Brian Cage. <laughs> and so Brian Cage, and in my house, there's there's a constant argument back and forth because Antonio is a big Brian Cage fan. And so we have a lot of fun going back and forth debating kind of wrestling kayfabe. And Antonio will try and justify some of the Brian Cage stuff. And I mean, he has very valid points. Uh, Darby Allen repeatedly kicked out at one. And I was laughing hysterically at that fact because so much emphasis on the weight difference, the big guy. I mean, it all made sense. We were we were poised for a situation where the small guy got squashed. Now, I don't think anybody really thought there was a ton of chance that he was going to lose the belt already um, with Sting, Sting around and all that stuff. But I certainly didn't expect for sort of a squash setup where Brian has got all the offense but yet, Darby, there's no situation where you're like, oh, he's almost got him. Because Darby's just like, nope. And leading up to it, Darby didn't give me a lot of those stupid little promos that he does where he talks about how sad he is or whatever he does. <laughs> um, I kept watching Darby every week. Team Taz or whatever would say whatever they were, whatever they had to say. And Darby would just kind of roll his eyes or just move his head like, whatever. And when we got there, that's exactly the attitude that he should have had. He didn't take him seriously. And he didn't need to. Now, I know Brian Cage got a lot of offense, but I would argue that Darby almost squashed Brian Cage. I really would. Because Cage's yeah. offense just did not matter to him. And and Darby, with not much offense throughout the match, uh, got the win. He turned it around with just a coffin drop onto the steps. That pretty much uh, almost evened the matchup. So not a great showing for Brian Cage, and thank you, Darby Allen, for giving me that moment uh, where I was able to just sit and laugh at Brian Cage. So I actually, I'm going to admit, I actually got some some positive out of Brian Cage in this too. I, I I guess him just tossing Darby around and seeing some of that stuff. I do think he's talented. I think they're utilizing him in a weird way with some of the interactions that they had leading up to this, where he just doesn't go up and beat the shit out of Darby. It doesn't make sense, but. Team Taz isn't as bad now for me. This match really helped me going forward for, for both sides, and I was already a huge Darby Allen fan. Um, with that, the the Sting coming out, uh, the Ricky Stark selling those bat hits was amazing. Like that throat hit originally, I thought he legit like nailed him until they showed it like a different angle, and then the hit to the stomach, just him like bouncing up in the air was I, I don't know I loved that whole segment. You, you um, know, I'm really sitting here and I'm thinking about it, Greg, and it just blows my mind how many things came together. You got Darby Allen, Brian Cage, and Sting. In the year 2020, there's three people. The only person I hate more than these three is Goldberg. <laughs> and it's just so bizarre to me that they've all come together here in this moment. And uh, it's just it's just amazing. It was like Greg and I put a team together to help Roy come around. We were like, who can, yeah, who can yeah, piss who off? Can do this who can piss Roy off There's more. like one path in, in all of the multiverse that got me to even somewhat appreciate Darby Allen, And somehow we live in that timeline. <laughs> so the next thing we have on the docket is actually Darby Allen and Goldberg, now that you mentioned yeah, that it. You and Darby Allen is going to yeah. overcome the odds. No, I would take a match where Darby keeps kicking out of one. <laughs> that would Goldberg be fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, for my top of the week, I'm going to also go with a rave. Uh, this one's also going to go to AEW. I'm going to give it to the Inner Circles promo. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, the The New Year's resolutions part was pretty fun. The um, Talking about championships. <laughs> yeah, he just walks up. Championships. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh Ortiz talking about wanting to perfect his grand grandmother's recipe, and uh, 
he had said something in, in Spanish at one point, and MJF, MJF just like chimes. He goes, I definitely know what that means. Someone boos. He's like, how are you going to boo food? Um, then it gets to a point to where Jericho announces that him and a, him and MGF are going to be in a match or something like that, or they're going to tag, or they're going to be tag champions. That's what it was. And then that gets into the whole part where you know you have Santana and Ortiz, like you know you brought us in to be the tag team of Inner Circle, which then Sammy comes in and he's he's all kinds of pissed off. He's like, wait a minute. He's like, you and I, we were the lay sex gods. He's like, then you went and tagged with. Hager, then you went and tagged with this person. Now you're tagging with MJF. He's like, I know what's going on here. He's, you're a tag team slut, like Blake <laughs> mentioned earlier. He's like, what's next? You're going to tag with Snoop Dogg? And this is the part that, that made me so happy, was Jericho's response where he's just like, eh, maybe. Like, <laughs> like, the look on his face and everything. It's like, I could, I could honestly see this happening type of thing. Um, to announce something that... It, that I actually enjoyed. We had, like, last week we had Hager and Wardlow, and I liked that. It got rid of some animosity in the group, and I liked that we're going to have this three-way tag match of Inner Circle versus Inner Circle to be the tag team of Inner Circle. I like that, and I like the reasoning behind it, not just to crown who it is, so but to also get rid of the animosity that we saw build coming into and since MJF has been there. Um... So, I enjoyed this segment. I'm actually looking forward to that match next week. Like, I'm actually excited to watch this. That's one of the that's one of the details with the AEW. Um, and we're seeing a little bit more of that with WWE lately. Is setting up matches that otherwise could just be looked at as kind of thrown together and not not of great importance. But because they give it just a little bit, of, a little bit going into it, this is a match that I also am very much looking forward to next week. Now, if we had just gotten to next week, and we did it, you know, without this promo. I just be like, you know, it's just another match on the card. Now I really feel like it matters. Yeah, that little bit of context that they added to it. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I think all of wrestling, I think there's something to learn by looking at the inner circle here and how they interact with one another. It's been so refreshing to see a group that can have uh, problems within one another without it feeling like oh, this is just leading to the breakup. This is just leading to them costing each other. They have these disagreements, but... Truly, it feels like as friends because they they argue and they say what they got to say to each other, but nobody's ever like uh, getting to a point of just cutting everyone off. It's it's threatened a lot and it's it's it really imitates uh, real life friendship. Yeah, it's a good way to one thing that Roy and I have said we enjoyed in the past is kind of humanizing wrestling and and real life char- characteristics. And this is a good way. This is a good example of using that in a group setting. And it's I, something we don't see very often. So I, I didn't touch on the other part that I enjoyed. But the uh, it'll be because you started on your phone. No, it's because I was making sure I knew the right the right no, I'm just reference. Because the, the listeners can't see you, so I'm gonna I'm let gonna you make know. Sure they know that you were on your phone. I was verifying that I had the right reference before I messed it up. I was making sure I was correct. Okay, what do you got? So the part where he goes, it's gonna be Sammy and Hager. He's like Sammy Hager, and and Jerry's like Sammy Sammy Hager, like. And, and Sammy's like, yeah, yeah, what? He's like, you don't, you don't get it. And Sammy's like, what are you talking about? Like that, that subtle type of reference. Like I immediately, when he said Sammy Hager, I was like, I picked up on it. And I'm like, are they going to acknowledge this? And then when Jericho did, I was like, okay, I like that because that that's actually a really clever thing. You have Jake Hager and Sammy Guevara. Why not call him Sammy Hager? <laughs> All right, so round two. It's going to be a rave for me, and it's going. To SmackDown, more specifically, it's going to Adam Pierce. 
and I should give a rant for the audio crew that messed up his damn microphone at the end there, or whatever the issue was. Despite that, yeah, great. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm going against this. You're going against it. Yep. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for rant versus brave. Adam Pierce throughout the entire night, uh, once again, steals the show for me. Every bit of him is just so believable. Um, I love when they come to him with the the contract, and at the time he just signs it. And it's really that's really a lot of what Pierce is. Uh, he knows his role, and he he's not he's not stupid. He he knows to be fearful of these bigger guys, and he 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 doesn't necessarily antagonize and instigate. But rarely are you going to make him look stupid or or look like a for lack of a better word a bitch in the progress. You know what I mean? So he's like, I know what's going to happen. No matter what, at this pay per view, I get my ass kicked. I'll sign the contract. Whatever, just get out of my face. Like I don't want to deal with your dumb stuff right now. Uh, we see a lot of. I really liked. The the stuff with Heyman, um, which I, I don't know if I should include that with the with the Adam Pierce stuff. That's fair. But yeah, uh, it, it all came together throughout the night. So Heyman, he had a moment where he started to feel like he's running things, and he's like, "I got it, Roman, and I'm going to do this, and you can consider it handled." And later on, Roman, as usual, he makes sure to to check the status quo, and he 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 checks uh, Heyman, lets him know his placing. He adds a little bit more to him. He's like, "I'll consider this handled." So every time that Heyman, every time he loosens Heyman's leash a little bit, he pulls it back in, right? Um, so you start to see concern uh, on Heyman's face, and just everybody around Roman is a little uneasy. You got to really make Roman happy if you wanna if you wanna make it through these two hours of SmackDown. Um, the Adam Pierce stuff, I had already had it in my head that probably at some point Kevin could be swapped. I wasn't sure exactly what we we're going to do here. Truly, just Adam Pierce steals the show. At the contract signing, everything about him, like I said early on, is so believable. I do feel like the Mike thing really sucked, but he stands out so much above that that it didn't bother me in the end. I love uh, they signed the contract, and he says, just very calmly, I've been waiting for you to do that all night. And he starts to leave, and I'm like, out loud, I'm saying, okay, Adam Pierce has a plan. The second he gets one limp, I knew right away. I'm like, oh, his leg hurts. His leg hurts. We're not going to be able to... I'm telling Antonio and Wingate, because we, we go back and forth a lot, though I'm wrestling a lot. I was like, oh, man, Adam's hurt. He can't do it. He's not going to be able to make it to the match. <laughs> I'm making excuses for him. He gets up there, and the little bit of the promo that we were able to actually hear through the mic delivered it just flawlessly once again. And out comes Kevin Owens. And this, this specific thing, uh, I really learned that rematches and long... Long-term feuds are something that we maybe complain about uh, a lot, and I've, I'm realizing that's not the issue. It's just when you're when the boring when it gets boring and too repetitive. Because here we are at three matches in a row for Kevin, and I'm still just as excited. We're at a last man standing. The whole point of the other matches where you were not going to keep him down, and Roman had to throw everything at him. Now you've got to keep this guy down for ten seconds straight. Uh, now that doesn't really tie into my my rave too much uh it really goes to adam pierce but that is that is part of it and that also w would be a rave for me uh so greg just go ahead and tell me why you're a crazy person who so, doesn't understand the amazingness that is adam pierce his, hey, 
Okay, so here's... If you keep cutting Greg off at the start a few times in a row, he gets so... Flustered. Look, look, he gets so Boy gets so pissed off when people interrupt him. Look, I can win loves, this argument before he even starts. But loves to interrupt people every fucking time. I'm actually conceding this because it, you, you won this for yourself because you started off with the part that I hated, but used the rest of the night that I loved. I thought you were going with something that I was going to rant about, which now, essentially, I guess I can, unless you just want me to use this in the argument and lose anyway, so I will. It's the fact I think the Kevin Owens part came too soon. I loved everything else. I felt like something was going on with the ease of how he was signing these contracts. I said, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, the first one I understand because he's kind of in this position where it's like, those are the rules, I won, I have to sign this whatever maybe maybe a no dq could benefit me in some way stack himself obviously he's not winning it but stack himself to to at least fight against roman then when he came out and it was like it's an i quit match i'm like the way he just was like whatever and just signed it and walked away it was like something's going on here like it's too easy well, type he, of thing. For, he needed to get a few feet away from the ring before announcing anything well yeah get his ass kicked yeah if he stayed in the ring but just the ease of everything i started thinking but i felt like that moment was just too soon right now we had said it last week that this is what was going to happen most likely um but i feel like it could have gone on especially with the way that that pierce has been backstage this could have gone on another week at least can we agree that the leg thing like was such a roy thing i just i i thought it was so hilarious immediately it's totally something that i would have done to get out of something it just halfway up the ramp one little limp and it starts getting progressively worse just out of nowhere he said oh it's an old injury that gets acts up every once in a while you know how that is yeah, this was going to be a rave regardless, Greg. I, I understand your thoughts behind maybe letting it last another week, but I'm not going to discredit what they did here. <clears throat> Roy's right. I mean, it's a long-term feud that has worked and went very well for And me. I don't think we even wanted to see it all that much the yeah, first time. In the time. beginning, I thought it was just filler. I yeah. really did. I didn't think it was going to be what it is, and it's it's made a star out of KO again. And Adam Pierce is he's brilliant. I'm a huge Adam Pierce fan as well. I love that. When they started this off, they were talking about how the contracts are always the same. Yeah. Uh, and that was thrown back in their face when Adam Pierce says, Well, as you know, in every standard contract, it says card subject, subject to, to change. change. And you see Heyman's face and Roman, they're like, Damn, we got played. They immediately knew. We knew it would be KO once that happened, but I'm okay with it because the feud's been that damn good. And that'll take me over to my second round. And I'm also going to rave as well. It's going to go to Monday Night Raw, Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton. The fireball to Orton's face. Alexa Bliss, once again, has been one of my favorites. Has This has been going on for a while. Same with Randy Orton. And this is another feud that has been going on for a long time. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm on board. I'm having fun. This was a cool segment. We've seen the fireball before with different people. But I wasn't sitting there expecting Alexa to shoot a fireball at Randy Orton. Yeah, that wasn't my expectation. Yeah, so yeah. I think they played off pretty well. All right. So my next one. I'm actually going to go to rant here. Um, has the scoring been uh, difficult with this new It hasn't. Oh, it okay. hasn't. Um, so I'm going to go with a rant here. And I'm stuck between two because they just didn't sit for me. I'm, I think I'm going to give it to the, the AEW on this one. It's the waiting room. Um, there was nothing about this that was enjoyable. There, it, it, they gave me nothing about what this show could be about. 
Um, the starting off with the excitement of Cody Rhodes being there, and then I, I Blake, please indulge me because I don't care about her. Oh, Jade Cargill. Okay, she shows up. For starters, I hate, I hate when someone runs their mouth to somebody that isn't the person they should be running. Like, you're going to run your mouth about his wife to him, but yet you're going to bring up this Shaq stuff. Why isn't Shaq just showing up and doing something? Shaq is this seven-foot-whatever, big-ass, freaking 400-pound-whatever dude who's looking like a bitch right now. I, it makes this feud so unbelievable. I don't even care to see Shaq in a ring. I didn't in the first place, and this is just making it worse for me. The the like why why are you getting in Cody's face saying you're going to beat his wife's ass? You know Cody can't do anything to you, and then nor can his pregnant wife. Well, exactly, and then you add in who who Vel- red, red velvet. velvet. I knew it was velvet something, and then she. And she's freaking four feet shorter than this chick. They started pulling them apart, and for whatever reason, they still wanted to push Red Velvet out the door when it was clear as day that this was an open set. They're pushing the other chick out of the set in open air, but for whatever reason, they're struggling to try to get her through a door. There was just a whole bunch of shit with this segment that was just not good. Yeah, this was also my top rant, and it actually would have been what I talked about next. And it's because I was actually looking forward to it, Anything with so Britt was Baker I. So was I. excites me. And they they went cringy here, and I think it was on purpose, but it was like, you could tell it was supposed to be cringy, and it was just too much. Uh, Jade Cargill, she's a physical specimen, and I, I, I'd i love to see her in the ring, but her her work on the mic is horrible. She needs a lot of work. Um, and and this Shaq thing, I don't I don't know what they're trying to do here. I don't get it. It's it's felt forced from the start. It doesn't. None of it makes any sense. Why is Shaq upset with Cody? They try to throw the little things in here and there. It's not working. And the fact that they went from like Cody to Jade and then immediately went to the Britt Baker feud at the same time right. there was, was a bunch confusing. Of stuff that there was, was just going so on. many things happening and, the, and it didn't work. I'll add into this that, and it sucks to say, but I'm slowly losing it for Britt. They're no. not, they're not oh, doing anything man. with her right now, dude. I think I think the waiting room has a chance. I really do. Like when they set it up, everything felt good. It's just they went too cringy. It felt like I a think it's bad a one Jerry and done. Springer show. I think it's you? a one and done. I don't. I think they'll do it again. So, uh, I didn't think it was quite as bad. I think as you guys said, they lost me with the Cody stuff. You know, I'm not a fan of uh, Jade and all the stuff that's going on there. You're right. As when Jade's getting on the mic and she's dropping these big pipe bombs and it. In a situation where nobody can do anything, it's real easy to talk bad then. And it, it's not a great image for her. Britt Baker. So let, let me speak to the corniness a little bit. Maybe I can put this in a different context. Think of uh, like old-style doctor commercials like Dr. K and all those people. I think that's what they were going for there. And that's the cheesiness you picked up on. You said it was intentional. And you're right. And I think some people looked at it as like a cheesy sitcom. For me, it was meant to be like an infomercial kind of thing. Um, Baker was the thing that kept it consistent and maybe just I was biased and that's why it didn't land as bad. I mean, even on my rant, the part that I wrote down was just about Jade and Red Velvet. I had nothing bad to say about Britt Baker. I thought that she still did great. And the main thing I remembered from the entire segment was the announcement of her match. And she's like, I'm not doing that. And then the graphic comes up on the Titantron. She's like, 
I'm not doing that. You said I didn't have to. I'm not. And she just leave, and you leave it at that. There's no nobody comes out and says, "Oh yes, you are." She's just like, "I'm not doing it," and leaves. Um, so she still managed to shine throughout all of that and be the most memorable for me. Uh, over to round three, it's going to be a rave again. It goes to SmackDown and Corey Graves. Uh, so on commentary, and I let me know if you guys caught this, but Dominic is out on commentary with Corey Graves. Corey Graves spends about two or three minutes relentlessly uh, poking at Dominic, saying, you've got to do something. Like, you're a wrestler. You're a superstar. you got to learn how to handle. And you, you just let him do that to you? He just smacked you? And Dominic's like, well, I'm not going to get in the way of my dad's match. I'm not going to cost him the DQ. And he's like, wow. And just kept insinuating that Dominic was making the wrong thing, that he, that he looked lesser because he's not getting involved. Um, Dominic keeps saying, I'm not going to do that. Now, eventually, Baron pushes him over the edge, and Dominic does get involved. So, and at the end of it, uh, Corey Graves says, Wow, Dominic Mysterio's really got to get it together and learn when is the right time to handle business. So, after about two to three minutes of nonstop poking at Dominic to the point that I was like, Corey, what the hell is your problem? Like, leave him alone. Because Dominic would kind of give these generic, I'm looking forward to what the future holds. And Corey Graves would not let the let it go. He's like, no, but explain to me why you're not doing anything. And for Dominic to finally do something and Corey to be like, wow, what a mistake that was. I was I was laughing so much at that. Um, and I, I didn't expect that that's where it was going to go. I thought Corey was just like being like an asshole for no reason. I couldn't figure out why he kept pushing Dominic in that way. It made sense in the end. Michael Cole even commented, he said, well, Corey, you sort of instigated yes. that after he made that last comment. Uh, I had this as a rant, not the situation. I had Dominic Mysterio as a rant so, on yeah. commentary because I felt he didn't feel comfortable to me at all. Uh, he looked nervous there. It didn't seem like it was as he was comfortable in, but I agree with you about Corey Graves. <laughs> that is a rave, so that's why I didn't go against it. Um, my, my third... I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going to stick with Reeve as well for my third round. We talked about a talk show that I was kind of a talk show setup that I was looking forward to and failed on ding Wednesday dong. night. But ding dong, hello. This was fantastic. And if you want to go against it, please do because you don't stand a chance. Clearly, I don't, so I'm not. Okay. But this ding, was stupid. This That's was not saying. stupid. This was great. All right. First off. Well, we know that Greg hates the women's division. You ain't that clear yeah, at the top of the show. Her first guest of the show. G-U-E-S-T has to be the E-S-T of WWE. I loved that wordplay. Um, the Bailey with the door. Okay, so Bianca comes in. She's about to just go sit down. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, go around. She has her go around this, this prop door in the middle of the ring. She's just sitting there. She goes, ring the doorbell. She rings the doorbell. She, Bailey goes, I wonder who that could be. Bianca goes, Bailey, you know who it is. Get out from behind the door frame. This, this was funny. I, Greg, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy this because this is this was comedy that I do enjoy. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I would like to see more of this, and I'm no, normally not a fan of this type of setup. We see Miz TV. We saw Alexa shows. I mean, this is a staple in wrestling. But I think Bailey did really good here, and it helped her moving forward for me because she's she has become a little stale for me. So SmackDown in general this week, I felt like had a, a completely different feel. A lot of character just a, building, just for at me. a production, even just at a production level. This was one of the examples of it where this wasn't as straightforward as Good and Evil 
and just taking these shots back and forth at one and each other. It felt like a real conversation at times. Um, the the standout moment for me being when Bianca said, Bailey, why does my, my confidence offend you so much? And, you know, Bailey's kind of taking these little shots and instead of her just getting back up in her face and being ready to, you know, the kind of the typical stuff, she attempted to have a conversation with her. Um, and that, that, that really worked for me because it helps me see her a little bit more as a real person and not just this over-the-top character to see some of her, her thoughts and the way that she thinks and hearing her philosophy and stuff like that. I like when she kind of explained, I'm not necessarily trying to do this to brag. Like, I just have confidence in myself. Why does that offend you so much? Um, Greg? All right. So I'm, this one's going to go to Raw, and I'm going to give another rant. Um, it's going to be it's going to be Hardy losing to Jackson Riker just to beat Elias. Why can WWE not leave well enough alone? Not only do you do this, everybody's got to get a win thing. You do Hardy and Elias again after we were told it was over with. So now is this going? Are we going to get back into a Hardy and Elias feud again? I do not want to see this continue. But more so the fact that you couldn't just let Hardy lose. You then had to have him come in and beat Elias of all people to get that win back. Do you I, remember the few weeks where everything was like a two out of three falls for commercial break? Yes. This is just a different evolution of yeah. that. We've got the turnbuckle spot into the commercial. Uh, the Keithley and the Sheamus tag into the confrontation, into the match. Same thing here. Um Two wrestlers and then just commercial so that we can come back to do the same match. I hate this. It, once you see the trend, it's so easy to, to know yeah. everything. They, that comes they said a lot of it was because of the COVID situation. Okay. As and, long as and that's, hopefully it's not a long term thing. Yeah, I that's agree. good. Temporary then, that's yeah. fine. Greg, I love that you're being the negative Nancy today because <laughs> I was going to rant about that next. You have taken my top two rants <laughs> and I can continue to rave. So I'm loving this new format. So I, I'm going to be honest, I was neutral all week. I, have, I had an even amount for both sides. But there were some things rant wise that stood out a little more than rage. You're getting me. you're getting them the round before me, and I can just keep raving. So I like <laughs> it. All right, so round four, and I'm going with rave again. I'm giving it to. Mm, it's it's crazy. We're at round four, and I still feel like I have so many good things that I could talk about here. I'm going to give it to uh, Charlotte and Ric Flair over on Monday Night Raw. Uh, they really leaned into this. I mean, last week it was a rant for me with the grabbing. I, Blake had mentioned the commentary maybe were the main ones that messed up by insinuating that it could have been an accident. I think it's very clear now that it was intentional. It makes sense to screw over your daughter. <laughs> as, as Greg has told us <laughs> in the past. Um, so for him to just get even more blatant with it this week, and he's screaming, I ain't going home. I ain't going to be home. And Because Charlotte kept telling him to go home. He said, I'm not at home. I'm not going to be home. I'm not staying home. I'm not staying home. Oh, man. For him to just openly. Uh, and, again, this is really emulating real-life situations. Because with family, as Greg as Greg has said, you screw over your family. That's Greg's philosophy. Yeah, you screw right? over your daughter. It does make sense to oh, Greg. God. No, but in all seriousness, sometimes uh, things happen. Uh, relationships are complicated. More often than not, with family, you tend to be more forgiving. It's completely believable to me that something like this could happen and they could bicker and then they could be having dinner, you know, somewhere later at night. Um, I want to, I want this to continue. I really do. Uh, Lacey 
getting the win over Charlotte. I think she needed that. I was happy that she got a win there, even with the, the silliness going on. If we bring Ric Flair in every week to just screw over Charlotte just because he wants a chance at, at hooking up, then it makes I'm, sense. I'm so okay with it. <laughs> I love it. This is also high on my list. Ric Flair was a bachelor in his day, all right? And his time, he's getting older, you know what I mean? And here's Lacey Evans, and he, he feels like he has one last opportunity as some young tail. And damn it, he's going to go for it. And I love that he's willing to screw over his daughter for a chance at some young tail. This storyline works for me. It's hilarious. It's so believable because of Ric Flair and who he is. And I enjoyed so much when he said, I'm not staying home. Uh, that made me laugh, Roy. Very good one. Um, I'll pivot but stay on the same show um, because I can't use that one. I'm going to go with Monday Night Raw, rave again. It's going to be Keith Lee. I, I'm starting to finally see a path for Keith Lee, as we spoke about when we talked about the Royal Rumble. I enjoyed the turnbuckle spot. I think it was planned. I want to believe that it wasn't because that would be so cool if it wasn't. But deep down, I know it was probably planned. And there, there have been, I've seen a little bit of reports that it was planned, but I do want to say with or without that, because I think a lot of people get caught up in the conversation of like, was, oh, that was planned, that was planned. It doesn't matter. Um, it was still right. The kudos to them for even creating a moment where we wondered, because the same thing for me, I was like, what the hell just happened there? Isn't that a, this, like the second time with Lee where he's done something in the buckle? Like, I think the first time was definitely an accident where he like... He launched someone into the buckle and it just like snapped and shot the person forward. It sounds vaguely familiar. It, it was, and then this one, it. I don't care if it was a setup or not. It looked yeah, like it, the way that he, the way that he angled himself up. It looked like it was meant to pop off. But goddamn, dude, it's still something it's that can cool pop spot. back at your neck. Like these are tensioned ropes. Like that can fuck you up. Um, this was, but I loved it. I lo I had to rewind it and watch it again. Like I couldn't even wait for the replay. Like I thought it was that good. This was a cool ass spot, but I I love everything that they did on this night. This was an example of them actually like doing a double match, and I enjoyed it because Keith Lee and Sheamus got the win as a tag team, and we've seen Sheamus and McIntyre. And we've been waiting on this turn, not wanting it to happen. We want Sheamus and McIntyre to keep his friendship because it was it was so so cool the way they set this up, and. I really am feeling like Sheamus isn't the bad guy in all this. So Keith Lee's going to be the one to turn. And when they did the match too, I was taking taking aback. I said, "Why are they fighting?" They were just okay, but it makes sense because that's been their relationship. And I love that Keith Lee beat him again. Keith Lee looks double as good now. He's won two matches, and Sheamus is like, "All right, man." And they had this friendship, but I don't think it's going to last. I, like, I really don't. I I really liked the part where he just shows up to him backstage and he's like, "Look, Drew's told me he respects you." If he respects you, I respect you. Like that was that was really cool. The building um, of everything yeah, they did yeah. was really cool, and and that's why I feel like a heel turn would be so good because oh, you're would. not waiting for it. And the last thing that Keith Lee did on this night, because there was a lot of great Keith Lee stuff, I really enjoyed the Triple H interaction backstage. Oh yeah, anytime they have that. that connection between Triple H and the NXT superstars, I really feel it. It really feels like a true thing that he would have Triple H's back. Yeah, I thought that was cool flow. Uh, one of the my. The, the setup for this match I want to touch on you did a little bit was just great because they did the tag match and going into commercial, you know, Sheamus did the same thing. We've been seeing it a lot. He gets the tag, gets the win. Keith just kind of laughs. And I, I believe that's exactly what you would do in that situation because you've already raged and beat the hell out of this guy so many times for it that now you're just like, okay, he's consistent. And so there was a little, they're, they're fist bumping, they're hugging. And that's how we go to commercial. We come back and they're shoving one another. I'm like, God damn it. They just cannot. Get it together. 
Alright. Uh, my next one, it's going to be a rave. Um, it's going to go to NXT. MSK. Um, you guys know how I am with, with, with my tag teams. Uh, when they, they come out and they're fast-paced and they're high-flying and they do the stuff that, you know, a private party. Uh, uh, um, God, why can't I think of the goddamn names all the time? Um, but Angelo Dawkins and, you know, Street Profits, Street Profits. dude, I always want to call Street Profits, uh, private party, and then Just it messes me private up. Profits. All right, private profit. No, well, that's too close to something else. <laughs> um, but like, I like these type of tag teams and the fact that we're getting our first taste of these guys in the Dusty Rhodes classic and they grab a win. I was very excited about, um, so I'm I'm curious to see how much further they progress into it, and this be, and if this becomes a main staple tag team for for NXT. But right now, what they gave me first, I I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, they looked good. They look like a team to look forward to in the future, and that's that's what you expect out of this tag team tournament. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we are in round five, the final round. Uh I'm gonna go with Rave once again. This time, I'm going to give it to Matt Hardy over on AEW. Nope. No? Nope. Ladies and gentlemen, for the second time tonight, it's time for Rant versus Ray. I love how he doesn't say ring the bell. He just said, nope. Ring the bell. All right. Nope. (laughs) Uh, This is probably, uh, and, and I'm thinking back, I'm thinking back, I'm thinking this is probably my favorite version of Matt Hardy in AEW to date. Uh, it's it's a lot of Matt's stuff since coming over to AEW for me. Um, and I'm a, I'm a long-time Matt Hardy fan. Uh, I think a lot of people a lot of people are. Uh, so going all the way back to Matt and Jeff, we've talked about the Hardy Boys on here a lot. Some of the stuff over on AEW has felt a little corny. There's been some major home runs, of course. Um, it's Matt Hardy, you're going to have that. But this, this is the most natural and organic personality that I've seen so far in AEW, which I don't know how much that says about Matt. That almost sounds a little disrespectful. But I love this transition into a sleazy manager role. Um, there's really not a ton else that I think Matt could be doing right now. I mean, we could we could be putting him in full-time wrestling matches. He almost died last time we did it. Um, the It's almost jarring how quickly he went from good guy Matt into, like, let me screw these guys over. Because he was a pretty clear-cut baby face. And just out of nowhere, in these contract negotiations, we start seeing a different side of him. Once money got involved, Matt Hardy became a different person. Um, I think Private Party has really needed something to help them stand out, especially because they are easily uh, comparable, in my mind, to the Street Profits. Um so I think they've needed something to differentiate themselves. This isn't something that is long-term. This isn't something that I think should be with them for a year or two. This is just a stepping stone right now that I think benefits all three parties. Um, no. Nope. Uh, I, I hate I hate the fact that for since he's come in, Hardy has been nothing but I'm about the people, the fan, this and that. The the fact that you changed him so quickly and it's strictly like a money driven thing is just those things don't sit well with me. I like that that he, I like that he's in a management role, but again, this is one of those situations where I feel I feel like they're pulling the trigger too soon. 
Give me a little more build up to him being this person. Don't don't sign, and in the middle of the first signing, you pretty much hint that Matt Hardy's just going to fuck these two over. To the next week, where they're already arguing over the contract because they didn't read it, and he's, you know, and he's sitting there, and the other thing is, like, he's saying, oh, you should have read the con this and that, but then last week, he wasn't allowing them to do that. He was hurried up and flipping Noah Page no saying this and that. He wanted, he was I get that. To scam him. I get that. But that's the part that pisses me off is like I don't it it went from a, a very believable character to not a believable character because we got no build to it type of thing for me. And I just it, right now I'm not in I, I think I, I it, down the road I can enjoy Matt Hardy as a manager. Right now it seems forced. I get what you're saying about making the team relevant, but I don't see any relevancy right now anyway because it's still just Matt Hardy and Private Party, which over the last couple of, of months or whatever you want to call it, have, haven't have really been doing much anyway. So there's a lot that has to happen in this for me to get behind it, I feel. So I wasn't on either side on this, but I'm going to go with Rafe, and here's why. Because you're a bitch. Wow. I don't want to hear why. You're wrong about Matt Hardy. He has been given subtle hints to this turn for the past month and a half. There were a, there was a match a few weeks ago where he tried to use a chair in the middle of the match. <laughs> he tried to give him the chair. And Private Party wasn't about it. There was another match before that where he actually, I believe he did, I, I can't recall exactly what it was, but there was something that gave me the vibe that he was starting to have a heel turn. So this hasn't been as quick as a turn as you think. There were subtle hints there. Um, I... It's more of a rate for me because not because of the hints. I I understand missing them because they were pretty subtle hints. Well, it's not just that. Like I get what you're saying, but to me, that you're you're giving those type of in ring things going on to jumping to a manager who's a heel is the part that's. Th this is why. This is why, because I think he's trying to teach them a lesson. I think he's seen Private Party and where they were. They haven't really been going anywhere. They've been very stagnant, even though they're extremely talented. And my thoughts are, yes, he's doing it for his benefit, you know, and that's part of the heel role. But this is also to teach him a lesson as part of the contract. He said, he said well, that's why you, you read the contract. He's like, he's, he's basically establishing that them trusting him is almost a bad decision. He wants to show them the way. And I think if you can turn them heel, maybe you get some more out of private party, even though they feel so faced to me. I'm willing to give that a chance. Because they needed a change of direction. Let's be honest. They weren't going anywhere where they were. So I'm going to give it a rave. I'm going to give it time and see where it goes. Also, as far as Matt Hardy, I don't know what the hell they could have done with Matt Hardy. I like a managerial role for him because it just feels like where he's supposed to be right now. They kind of put over talent and be in a role that's managerial makes more sense to me because they have so much young talent. They need to emphasize that and pay attention to it. So you're actually next week. Oh. Uh, yeah, so sorry, it threw me off. I was I don't know why I was thinking that was Greg's. Uh, my final pick for round five, I'm sticking with Rafe. And it's going to go to AEW, FDR, and the match between them and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. I was disappointed that Luchasaurus wasn't taking part in this match because I, I've said for a while, I really think Luchasaurus is talented. He needs more in AEW. And yet, I had a ton of fun with this match between Jungle Boy, Marcus Stunt, and FTR. Uh, Marcus Stunt does have his place. He has these spots where they're they're really unique and a lot of fun, and I think that they shined a light on that in this match. 
And that's that's a controversial topic. I've seen a lot of people saying that Marco Stunt, quote unquote, has his place in wrestling. I do not agree with letting a child <laughs> wrestle in a match on live TV. I just, I mean, I do not agree with that. But please, go he ahead. is a grown man. <laughs> Maybe not the grown part, but he's but, a man. He's a man, a man no less. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. I think FTR, they, they're so technical, and sometimes their matches are a little bit overly technical for me, even though I see the value in them. And in this match, I saw them, not only this match, but with Young Bucks as well, start a transition. It's more of an AEW tag team role. And I don't think I don't want them to lose their technical side, because that's what makes them stand out. But it's cool to see that side of them as well, that they can go toe-to-toe with teams like this and put on a great match. And unfortunately, man, FTR was the one who should have got the win. But these guys lose all the time. And I, I would like to see Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marcus Hunt actually get some wins in the future because they're really good. All right, so my final of the week is going to be a rant. Um, <laughs> and it, it actually goes kind of with what you said with the technical spots have their place, but sometimes they don't sit well. And this is a match that didn't. It was AEW, and that's Serena Deeb and Tay Conti. Um, Ring the bell. For the third and final time tonight, it's time for Rant versus Brave. Greg is like staring a hole in me already. He is not because is... I can't look at Blake. Okay, I, I I really can't. I really I I almost don't even want to give my side. I just want to know what the hell Blake has to say. This is how much this match just was shit to me. Like, so you have these two that are technical. They got the grappling and the, and the submissions and stuff. And, and the first, like, couple were, were good. They were done well. But then it got real sloppy. The The way they were transitioning, the way they were trying to do it just got real sloppy. It didn't speak out like, oh, she's having a hard time getting this in because this person's so good. It was, she's having a hard time getting this in because she's fucking it up type of thing. And then there was really no, like, legit offense except for the finisher and two pump kicks from Tay. It was not a fun match to watch. And I'm going to go out there and say it. I don't like Serena Deep. I don't think that she's good. I and, and I get that she's a champion, but I don't see it. I haven't seen it in the last couple matches. I get that she's beaten some people that I do see as good, but I don't see how she's better than these people, to be honest. And I, I'm not saying that Tay should have won this just because this is her first title shot. She hasn't really wrestled much other than the the tag team matches with Anna Jay. But the fact that you didn't need... If we say so much about the women's division. If you're not going to give me the AEW title picture, at least make the match something worth watching. And I didn't get that out of this match. This wasn't After I was oh, built up to it from last week, I'll add. I was looking forward to it, but it didn't deliver to me. Did you guys know that Serena Deeb is the same Serena from the Straight Edge Society? No, I didn't. No, I didn't so of, the chick that of, was bold the whole time? Of mine but now, but now I, felt, I see it. I felt yeah. so stupid I do for too. not realizing it. I do it. too. I guess because she's a lot, a little bit skinnier now. Like she's a little more fit to it. Yeah, that too. I didn't mean to cut you off. My bad. I thought no, you were good. done. You're good. Um, I didn't have it as a top rave, but... I also didn't have his rant. That's why I figured challenge. I know we're triggering you now, but and I apologize. But I actually didn't think this match was as bad as you as you thought. Um, was it the greatest match? No, and I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say that it is. But I've been challenging AEW to put women's wrestling on the map on their shows, and 
I, I do agree with you about the title. I would rather see the AD, AEW title be defended or be more in the picture or than this. Or the picture at least leading up to someone title. going for it. But I didn't think this match was bad by any means, and that's why I wanted to challenge it, because I've been very critical of the women's division, and I felt like this was actually a step in the right direction because they gave me two competitors instead of Serena Deeb and some jobber. They actually gave me a competitor with Ty Conti. I think will be somebody I think will be a competitor in their division, and... They, they did get a little more technical than they needed to. I, I think it really sucked in the beginning, and they had some cool spots. Maybe they did more than they needed to, but it was much better than some of the shit that I've been getting in the past few weeks, and that's why I challenged and, it. And I can understand that, and I can agree with the, the giving me two actual competitors instead of one versing a jobber, but it, at least make the match worthwhile for me. You know what I mean? Like it, it, You build up this title match, which it's a title that I don't give a shit about, and then on top of it, it just anyway. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm not going to continue. I can go on. Well, how did you feel about the match itself? Do you feel like they? I thought the match was good. I thought it was fine. I wasn't like I said. It wasn't the best match of the week. Wasn't even close. But I felt like it was a step in the right direction for women's wrestling in AEW. And because I've been so critical, I wanted to highlight that fact. Um, that are there negatives? Yeah, I think the main negative is that it's not for the AEW Women's Championship, or it's not the build for that. But they have some sort of plan here with this title and this belt. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but I felt like this was one of the better matches they, they, that they've had on Dynamite for the women. Okay. Um, I didn't feel strongly either way about it going in. Um, I still don't feel strongly about it right now. I'm going to give it to Rance. And, uh, you know, I had to do a little mental gymnastics kind of to figure out which way I was going to go. I don't want to cop out and say neutral. Um I'm thinking it was high enough on Greg's list that he got to it before anybody else. Um, and I'm thinking about, I think you're right that the match, it wasn't necessarily a rant. It was the match itself was what you said was it was a step in the right direction. And I completely agree with you. And I appreciate you champion championing for it because I think it's important to play devil's advocate, and look at things from every side. Uh, the conclusion I came up with was that it was too little too late. AEW has got to take some bigger steps because They've got some work to do with their women's division. I completely agree with that. Um, well, that wraps it up. Uh, we can head on over to honorable mentions now. What do you guys? What you guys think of the new system? Did you enjoy the uh, the five rounds? I liked it. The only I will say the only issue is I don't I don't I know this week was a good week for a lot of us as far as raves. I don't want to get into a lot of each week is just all raves or all rants type of thing because it feels like that's well, very that's why easy. we have you man that's yeah, feels like it's very true i'm gonna rant about something but i feel like that's very easy to fall into type of thing fair fair um so we reverse the rotation for honorable mentions greg you have any uh yes for um for rants uh riddle versus lashley again with a riddle loss uh that's getting old um Let's talk about that match for okay. a second. Okay. That I would have challenged you on that. That was a rave for me. I'll get your opinion in a second, Blake. Uh, the Bobby Lashley Matt Riddle thing. I'm a, I'm actually a bigger Matt Riddle fan than I am Bobby Lashley. When I when I thought about this match, did you guys feel like it was almost a squash? Like it was pretty decisive. Yeah. Right? Just... So I, I thought it was pretty decisive, and I've talked about needing a statement win for Bobby Lashley. This wasn't this wasn't it. The name wasn't quite big enough. But if you if you want me to believe into this idea of Bobby Lashley, then he should be at a point of squashing um, Matt Riddle. And I think about it, no, I don't like seeing Matt Riddle lose. What would have made me happy? Somebody lower on the card? Absolutely not. That wouldn't have done anything for anyone. 
And I feel like it, it's absolutely a sacrifice. It sucks to see uh, Matt Riddle not getting his time to shine. Uh, if we had more trust in WWE right now to kind of cycle and rotate their talent, maybe it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But I like that we went all in on Lashley. Um, and I think that this was this was a, a, a big rave for me. What did you think, Blake? Uh, wasn't a big rave, and it wasn't a rant either. It was neutral in it because I do enjoy Riddle and I do enjoy Lashley. I'm not a huge fan of 50-50 booking, but I kind of understood this one a little bit more because you had what felt like more of a cheap win over Lashley, and it was something we haven't seen in a long time. And I did feel like Lashley was going to get it back because you, you've really empowered Lashley to, to look like a strong figure, and he is the CEO of her business. And to keep that mentality... You probably did need to give that win back to Lashley. And it was a squash. It sucks to see Riddle go through that. But somebody has to, right? Yeah. And and I was okay with it. It wasn't a rave, wasn't a rant. And here's my thing. So, I mean, I've said it before. I, I love the Hurt business. I don't like Bobby Lashley. I've been outspoken about that before. Um, even now, I yes, I like the Hurt business as a whole. And he makes perfect sense in the Hurt business. But I don't like Bobby Lashley. And to constantly see see him beat and get a push over a guy that I do thoroughly enjoy, that I have thoroughly enjoyed for a while, who I think deserves more than what he's getting, and that just sucks. And I'm also tired of seeing the match every week, pretty much. It's either Lashley versus Riddle or Riddle versus M- MVP or some something in that in that realm. And it's just uh, it's getting old. Um, Loomis versus Gargano. It's just another Loomis match. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I've got nothing for him anymore. And I loved him when he first started, he had that character and they did nothing with it, but give me this guy who doesn't speak and draws characters that that's not interesting to me at all anymore. Um, last one for rant is, uh, Corbin and Mysterio. Um, I feel like I've seen this a hundred times. Um, I, I just I don't need to see it again, type of thing. And this felt like a very big filler match. And I really hope that this doesn't give me like a a Corbin and uh, Dominic feud or something. Because I don't, at least right now, I don't think that's going to be interesting. All right, uh, I've got a couple. I'm going to try and tighten it up because we are running a little heavy on time. Uh, Ember Moon in NXT was exciting at first, and now it just feels like any other wrestler doesn't feel special. And it's so far from her first run, it's incredible. Our first run NXT, mm-hmm. she was in the title picture. She was constantly uh, elevated, and now she just doesn't feel special. Uh, speaking of NXT, I had another rant, and it was the commentary. Xia uh, Li had that enhancement match, which was fine. I like what they're doing with Xia Li and this character. But she hits the woman with a right hand. And I swear it had to have been 60 seconds later. The commentator says, oh, what a right hand. And it felt like a video game glitch. That's how bad it was. Commentary was so far behind on it. Lastly, Jey Uso. Main event Uso is gone, man. He, he, I know he's putting over KO, and I was cool with that because it really did help. And now he's putting over Shinsuke, and it, which is fine. I like Shinsuke, too. But Us- Jey Uso is like the guy to put people over now. He doesn't feel like anything special. And that's all I've got on the rant side. Uh, for rant, just Nia and Shayna versus Mandy and Dana too many times. And that's something I really appreciate about the, the new system we did today is, man, how many times am I going to rant about Nia and Shayna versus Mandy and Dana? Uh, apparently a million times because that's how many times I keep 
giving it to me. How many times have we seen this either tag? You know what? I'm not going to keep taking up time. <laughs> I, I'm letting myself get worked up. Greg, what do you got? Honorable mentions for Rave. Oh, uh, so honorable mentions for Rave. Although I forgot to mention it in the news for this week, um, it just reminded me through a text message. So yesterday I watched Harper take her first steps. I forgot to mention that because I'm a piece of shit. How does that happen? Kim just messaged me and said she took more steps, and I reminded myself that I'm a jackass. Well, okay, so so, so it's a rant, but it's a rave that my daughter took those steps. In Greg's uh-huh. defense, I think what keeps happening here, he tells us like pretty pretty quickly when you know something like that happens. So I think I think you're already telling I, us. It's like I told you guys. So yeah, I don't so by think the time to, you get yeah. here, you're not really. No, thinking don't, give him, don't give him any excuses. Greg needs a break. It's been a rough podcast. For Greg today. <laughs> All right. So uh, just honorable mentions. Ring for, the bell for raves. Um, not going to go too too far in each one. Miz and Morrison versus Lee Sheamus was a fun match, especially with the spot we talked about. Um, I had a lot of fun with Undisputed versus Brazango. Um, a lot of what went on with the attack on O'Reilly. Yeah, O'Reilly. I for whatever reason O'Reilly auto parts popped in my head, so I was like, "That's not time. right." Um, when they say "call," I go, "Oh, oh, oh, O'Reilly. O'Reilly." This is this is something I do every auto week. parts. Yeah, and we're getting sued. Um, Whoops. Natalia getting the win this week. Um, the boat. I'm, I'm cool Greg with like that. I'm cool with that. Um, and uh, and Tamina. The fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, Chuck Taylor versus Miro. Um, Bro, the beginning of that match, I, like I really enjoyed. I don't, I don't like the result. I don't like where do this is going to go. The they young... pivoted from the term young boy, they did. though. I think they, they did. Knew it they was did. A, it, 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 was, it was, it was very us. bad. And it's not very odd. It's, it's borderline racist. Is it? it? It really is. I could see that. It really is. In a weird way. Yeah, Getting I, somebody I the, to do all your them. dirty work and calling them a young boy is not... Young boy is, that is the not, term I get that, Japan, but right now, it is not politically correct. Yeah, I don't know. It's essentially making someone your slave. They're doing all your... Whatever right, you tell them. That, does it have that kind of connotation? It's just a... There's... I don't think there's the some means things, slave. I think no, it just means butler I, there. I get what he's saying. Right now, no, it just doesn't. It's not politically weird. correct. Only to us, though, because it sounds weird. It, like, I just want to emphasize. Like, it's normal over there. It's yeah. Not, I get just, that. It translate here to say young boy. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Here, it's not the right time. Um, but I like the beginning of the match where, it, as much as I hate to say it, but it made sense for Miro to just get his ass kicked for a little while because he's not done shit. And getting your ass kicked as much as you did in the beginning of that match and then getting the win with the same move I've seen you get wins with over in WWE that, to be honest with you, has never really done much for me. It's just a, uh, you know, Boston Crab or whatever, or not Boston Crab, but uh, Crossface, like, basically, like, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. And it, there's certain moves that I can believe is going to tap someone out, but when I see that move every time, there's always a variation of that move that people get out of very easily every time. And I, and Miro needs something more. But I loved I loved the beginning where he just got his ass kicked. Because I was like, this is what needs to happen right now with Miro. Because something needs to light a fire under this motherfucker. Because he is not sitting well right now. Anything else for honorable mention, Ray? Nope. Alright, I, I first want to comment on the fact that... Greg hates Young Boy, but he's okay with the band Slaves. What? 
Oh, okay. The band <laughs> Slaves is changing their name yeah, to The Better Days, and that's the part that I... Get the fuck I out of here. And I even I mentioned that this is going to sound very bad because of what their current name is. Yeah. Which, to be clear, it was because it meant that you were slaves to your, your personal demons, to your mental you know, it's wellness. it's not the time for that. It's, it's not. not. That's why they're changing their name, <laughs> which is why they changed the term Young Boy. Back to wrestling. <laughs> NXT and the Dusty... The Dusty Tag Team Tournament. The Grizzle Young Veterans are another tag team that I think I can look forward to. I enjoyed their match. I felt that way in the past. There was a time where, uh, might even have been last year during the Dusty Cup, where I started to feel something for them. I'm starting to get that vibe back again. So that was good. Do your job, Charles. Uh, Jey Uso losing, but but really grilling the referee in the back. That was fun. I, I'd like to see more segments like that. He said, what do you mean? And he just got more stern. Do your job. And... And he, he he essentially threatened him. You know, yes. he's like, hey, look, you don't want the tribal chief to get involved here. Um, the, the persona of Roman Reigns is going so well right now. And then, speaking of Roman Reigns, I enjoyed Apollo Crews with Roman Reigns. Because I had, I'm glad they showed it on SmackDown, but I had actually seen that clip of Apollo Crews and Paul Heyman before they showed it on SmackDown. So I immediately knew the context of Apollo being in the room of Roman. It had already made sense to me. Now, thankfully, they showed everybody else because for those who didn't see that, they would have no idea why Apollo Crews was right. with Roman. But that was that's a that's a good way to build some character for Apollo. Maybe Apollo's starting to see what Roman's doing and see that man, this this works. You know, I need to align myself with guys like this. Um, and SmackDown did a ton of that. I just want to give really SmackDown as a whole ready for what they did with characters: Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, Apollo Crews, all these people who haven't really felt like much. Uh, most of the time, and now they're, you're starting to see yeah. them elevated in a different way. Uh, lastly, Billy Kay, once again, had me rolling. Uh, if you want to put her in that R-Truth role for women, that's fine, because she does it damn well. She's just as good as R-Truth, in my opinion, when it comes to that women's role, because she had me rolling with the outfit, with the way she came out in the entrance, everything that she did, I had a ton of fun once again. And that's it for me. Who were you talking about just then? Sorry. Billy Kay. Okay. So I was I was handing the score over to Roy. I'm sorry. That's right. Uh the uh Mosh Pish. <laughs> the Mosh Pish, that's what we call it in Australia. Um that part was was really funny to me. Billy Kay uh delivered once again this week. So my honorable mentions for Rave. I got Kenny and Don over on AEW. This is the segment where Kenny's talking to the young bucks and Don interrupts and says, Let's do the separate entrances. I knew that that was odd, and I didn't know what the angle was there. I thought it was a little bizarre. I thought maybe it's just to really establish that Kenny is a singles guy. And once Don kind of got on the mic and was hyping up his partners, I knew I knew where we were headed, and I really I thought that was pretty clever by Don. Um, the, the announcement that after the match next week, we get Hangman's answer. That has yes, me hype. absolutely thrilled. I loved that they were jumping him around like, he's going to join, he's going to join. He's just still he's standing right there, there drinking like these guys. And I feel like they did such a great job at making it so that I don't know which way it's going to end up going. Because yeah. they didn't lean one way or the other to kind of tip it. And it's like, it, it, it's almost like even if he doesn't join, there's a friendship there type of thing. So that, that was a big part of it I liked. Uh, Apollo Cruz, I echo the same things that you said, Blake. Uh, Apollo caught my interest this week, and then lastly, I really, I liked, I liked Drew being direct about COVID over on Raw. That was a little refreshing. We've talked about in the past uh, that we've learned to appreciate that WWE keeps that separate so that we have a form of escape. 
Um, but even so, it was still nice seeing Drew directly um, acknowledge it and put the messaging across about make sure you're taking care of yourself, all that stuff. All right, guys, what was your favorite show this week between Monday Night Raw, Wednesday Night AEW, Wednesday Night NXT, and Friday Night SmackDown? Greg? This week, it would be it would be Raw for me. Okay. Um, I think that, honestly, I think for the first time in a while, they gave me a solid three hours. Mine was also Monday Night Raw, but it was extremely close between them, AEW, and SmackDown. Extremely close. I think it comes close between Raw and SmackDown for me. Uh, Raw really delivered, you're right, three hours. I didn't feel like a chore as it has sometimes in the past. SmackDown this week just had a whole different feel to it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give the nod to SmackDown. Okay. I think I think SmackDown just barely. I mean, really, if it was a really good show, in my opinion, I'd almost tie them, but I, I hate yeah. I hate going with a tie or a neutral. Um. That puts this week last place NXT. Um, third place is AEW. We did have a tie for first. So if you've been paying attention, listeners, you know who the winner is. Monday Night Raw! 